It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 727. Back on the show, Michelle Andrews, Yali McDonald's. Welcome. That is a Hello. Of episodes, boys. So many right. episodes. How are we hanging in uh, in ISO? I see um, visually, uh, Michelle, I, did I see you giving away a bed? Because I'm pretty sure I can see some kind of a bed. Were you giving away oh. a bed on Facebook? I wasn't giving away a bed. I was recommending a bed because this week, uh, Mitch. But and I you got also me a gave one away on Facebook. Yeah, that's oh, it. Wait, yeah, you. Fuck. No, you're nobody about fake wanted it. Facebook Marketplace. Are you literally just talking oh. about like buy swap sell? Is this what's going on? <laughs> no, this I was is the world's worst start to any episode. <laughs> I was no, offering a bed. I can't ones. believe. I really did forget that. Um, I was offering well, a honest, bed for free. To be honest, I just uh, got you on to ask, can I have your your bed frame that you were giving away? <laughs> Obviously, it's still available, so uh, what do you Would reckon? Would you like it? I mean, we were going to take it to the tip because we were like, I don't know if we want to ask for money for this. I feel bad. I don't know if this is just me. I feel bad asking for money for things that I'm not going to use anyway and I don't need. Like, if I'm going to mm. give it away. Like, when we moved out of our apartment in Jan or Feb, we gave away everything. We didn't want money for the couch or for the fridge or for anything. I just feel awkward asking for money when I don't need it and I don't need the thing. I just want it to be gone. Oh. Is that just me? No, I agree. No, well, I think it's, it's more benefit to you if it's gone. So mm. isn't the value in getting it gone rather than the money? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like, I don't need this bed frame. I don't want money for it. I just want it to be out of my life and out of this spare bedroom. You can clearly see it in the background. Yeah. Well, I, I see the appeal of getting it gone quicker so free is the better option. Which mm. you can, there's so many things, but it's, it looks like nobody even wanted it for free. So I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit suspicious about your whole bed frame anyway. So Hot bed frame. <laughs> it is, um, yeah, look, it is pretty dodgy. I'm like keen to get rid of it. I'm pretty sure we're going to put it on Airtasker. So not just giving it away for free, we're going to pay someone to get rid of it for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh it is crazy, God. the whole the tip thing. But then you have the opposite stuff, which is all the gronks that leave stuff outside the salvos. Oh. Like just mm. chucking shit. Like, what are I they going to do with all that? Yeah, and at the moment, like we've got a um a salvos up the road from us, and they've got all these signs around the place saying we're not accepting donations. Like clearly, people aren't working there right now. The number of people dropping off garbage bags who yeah. probably are, like giving themselves a pat on the back. I'm like, you're making more work for so many people. So like, we would take it to a charity shop if charity shops are still open, but mm. they're not really. So yeah, yeah. I was someone, thinking, please come um, take my bed. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday about Please. dropping stuff off because I did a t-shirt cull yesterday and I need to go and drop some off into one of the bins. I don't even know if you can at the moment, but I was thinking, have you girls ever seen, have you ever dropped something off and ever seen somebody with the thing that you've dropped off? Like, I want to know that person that's, that's seen someone niche. wearing their t-shirt. <laughs> that is, you know, like, imagine that's that. It's like, holy most shit. Most obscure and sort of unlike. No. <laughs> what, like, sit, walking down the street seeing someone in my pink t-shirt? <laughs> yeah. I, I reckon the, the closest thing will be, and it won't happen to you girls, your merchandise. I'm sure oh, yeah. someone yes. will see someone have, who's yes. given away our merchandise because <laughs> they don't want to. <laughs> We, um, so I do sometimes see girls wearing, or oh, women, sorry, seeing um, them wear the shameless merch around Woolies and Coles in my area. And I feel bad for them because it's almost like they feel embarrassed to wear it in front of me. I'm like, no, I love it. Like, I feel embarrassed that you bought Yeah, I don't know. It's cute, though. I love seeing that. But the other side to that is actually the concern that they don't know what they're wearing. Like, they've been given it or they've borrowed it from someone and, like, they don't know what they're wearing. So I would just kind of ignore the situation just for feeling awkward. Yeah, the I mean the admin stuff of selling shit. Um, Zara, how are you with admin during ISO? 
what kind of admin? I'm bad at admin generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so my ISO is not good for anything. What kind of app do you mean specifically? Well, just like just general getting your life together. Like I feel like I've got this long list. Like I've gotten to the point of putting together the list of the things I'm going to do. But I reckon I'm going to run out of time before we all have to sort of get back to business as usual. I don't think I've done one good thing for my life since isolation started in terms of admin. Like, I don't think I've done anything. I was brushing my teeth today and I thought, I really, it's time to go to the dentist. But do you think I'm going to go in the next couple of months? No, absolutely not. I thought that was like the first time you'd brush your teeth in a while. (laughs) I'm actually a big teeth brusher. I don't mind the old brushing of teeth. How many times a day? Yeah, it makes it... Well, now actually, interesting. Now that I'm working from home, I find myself doing it every couple of hours because it, it gives what? me a little reboot. <laughs> yeah, After you brush every, your teeth every, every couple meal. of hours. <laughs> Isn't that a no-no? Is that, that not a thing? Bad for your is that teeth? bad? That would be bad for your gums. No, you I just do it you. gently. You just do it gently. Oh you god, this is so one of those things. Every two hours. Do you do it manually or do you have like an elect- electronic sort of setup? <laughs> just, just I've got. <laughs> For soft, for a soft toothbrush, it is the softest kind. I just give it a little spray. I just want a little, like, refresher. Mm. No, I, I mean, know what Sev's- you mean. It's if, if you're feeling, like, a bit dehydrated or something, you can sort of give your mouth that sort of... Just have a glass of water. Step. Have you yeah, guys know, heard of, like, breath mints? You've heard of, like, eclipse mints, yeah. right? Yeah. They Should don't we? do the same thing. <laughs> I mean, Sev's... Um, let's let's bring, it, bring in Sev's for the first time. You've got a water floss machine. Flosser. How often are you using that? <laughs> Looks like a lot. Oh, look, I probably... I pretty, <laughs> I probably haven't used it in maybe three months. Okay. So, <laughs> and so I haven't actually. We- I mean, I've I've flossed more than I've used the actual water flosser, but it is great. Like it's, I I would recommend it. What, can you really um, recommend something if you're not using it? Maybe <laughs> it's great, but uh, it's real. It's fun to use. That's that's the best part about it. like just the water. It's real high pressure. It's great. Okay. Uh, More fun I think we need to address the elephant in the room. Uh, Zara mm-hmm. and Michelle, not no, not you. You're not. It's it wrong to <laughs> labour a lot after that. I mean, Mister Ninety Seven. His uh, confidence, his newfound confidence, is the elephant, and it's as big as a bloody elephant. Look at the smile. Yeah. <laughs> look at the haircut. Look at the pep in his step. If you, you can't see him walking, but you should see him. It's very peppy. A bit of swagger. Gir- yeah, girls. Um, do you know? That he now has a girlfriend. Can you a full explain girlfriend. this to me, 97? <laughs> How did this come about? And a is it because one. of us? I mean, I feel like we were responsible for like the first couple of people you ever dated. What happened since then? This is yeah, this is a hundred percent because of you. One one of one of our what? one of our listeners, she she found us through the shameless dating thing. And uh, we we started messaging and talking and then yeah, now we're dating, and she's awesome. How long have so. you been dating for? I would be just over a month, I reckon. Thirty days, yeah, thirty-one days. We need to do like a daily talk show and shameless like event, and you two can just be sitting on thrones <laughs> in the middle of the stage, the time. like not speaking or anything, just there as like our props because we brought you guys together. That's <laughs> yeah, quite a long in- burn for us, Mish. In terms that's of gr- you know, that's a long, everyone. slow burn. <laughs> Over a year since we tried to find you a date, 97, and look at us. And to so be honest, she's- it, w- it wasn't you, it was all him. He yeah. was the problem in this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could have happened much quicker. He had a lot of options, thanks to you mm-hmm. too. I mean, the, the ISO, so Sevs has never met his girlfriend in real life. She is based in Perth. 
And so this is this is like the the modern day love if I've ever heard it. Oh my god! So Are you guys going to plan to meet up? How? What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. We, well, as soon as everything sort of come calms down and the restrictions are lifted, yeah, absolutely. We we I mean we want to drive over and do a road trip, but oh, yeah. we'll see what happens. <laughs> this, this is, is like the ultimate Iceton relationship anyway, because no one can kind of catch up. Yeah. So you might as well just form one interstate. Oh, I hate to pick a bone with you, 90 Sebs, but a couple of weeks ago mm. we literally did a call out for our Love Etc. podcast. The final episode we did, which went up on Friday, was about pandemic love and we wanted love stories from the pandemic. I am personally insulted yeah. with your lovely girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Did not reach out considering we set you up. Well, to be honest, like uh, we I, had the Daily sh- Talk Show exclusive on it. <laughs> uh, Love stories on the Daily Talk Show. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> We've got the exclusive yeah, yeah. banner, which oh we, which God, we pull out it. for special occasions. Run the banner. Why don't we get stuff this cool, Michelle? It's, we, you know we, really, why? Because we can't do shit You guys don't need the, the, the dumb shit. We just, we just do it to bring the crowds, you know. You need, you need well, the... The gimmicks. So, the gimmicks. So, so Zara, you, you're not an admin gal. Uh, no, I'm not. Michelle, you've been thrown a whole bunch of new admin based on having a dog, a pet, mm-hmm. uh, buying a buying a child. How is how is the little, the little pup? He is so good. We had a really scary incident on Saturday. Before I tell you, it, he's the best. Like, he's such an adorable puppy. He's so affectionate and, like, needy, which is just me in a nutshell. So it's perfect. And um, he's been so great to have in the midst of everything because he keeps us so busy and our hands are full, basically, all the time with him. But on Saturday, I got him up in the morning. He wakes up at, like, 6.30 in the morning, which is also a new new thing for me. And he was doing zoomies around the apartment and I had the door halfway open to outside to our little courtyard area um, just because I put him out or whatever. He was doing zoomies and instead of running through the door- Is that Zoom calls for dogs? What's a zoomie? Do you not know what a zoomie is for (laughs) a dog? No, what's a zoomie? Okay, a zoomie is when, you'll know it when I tell you, I don't know, have you not had dogs as pets? I had a cocker spaniel that I wish I looked after more. It was when I was young, but go on. (laughs) All right. So when a dog has too much energy, (laughs) particularly young dogs, when they have too much energy, they do zoomies. So they don't know how to expend energy. So this is normally when they wake up or when they go to sleep at night, they just start sprinting laps around your house or around your garden or whatever, like sprinting for no reason, just in circles. Um, trying to get rid of excess energy and so Benji was doing a zoomie where he's going full pelt around the backyard and when he circled round to come back into the apartment through the open door he missed the open door and went smack bang into the glass um oh, so he gave oh. himself a concussion oh, no. it sounds what does funny a concussion now look okay. like for a dog like is he scary yeah really scary yeah, where do you he live was, um, uh- I don't know. <laughs> Tell us your name. <laughs> um, he, he was like very upset, like crying. This is not funny. When you see a crying Sorry. puppy, yeah, not yeah. an eight-week-old puppy, it's Sorry. distressing. Um, he was very upset. So he was kind of like sleeping the entire day. So we had to call the emergency vet. Um, and yeah, he's okay now. He was very, very sore and like feeling pretty sorry for himself all of Saturday and a bit of Sunday, but he's okay now. Maybe I should go get him for one of these shots so you can see him. Yeah, definitely. That that would be good. I just want to quickly, can you give me five things that he's done that is really, really annoying? And I don't want you to use the term dog and I want to have people think that they could be talking about my son Bodhi (laughs) because I reckon they're probably pretty close. 
<laughs> I don't know if I've got five for you because right, he is a three. dog, so his range isn't that high. Um, weeing on our bedroom floor at night done. is a big yep. one. Bo- yeah. Bodie's <laughs> done that. Bodie has um, done that. Hiding under the very back of the couch. So underneath the couch but against the back wall. So to the point where we can't lean in and scoop him out, like he's too deep in. He just hides under there. I don't think yep. Bodie would fit under your couch. Well, he's um, he. Whoa! What are you saying stuck. about Bodie? <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's his boy. head is fat. <laughs> yeah. No, once he gets stuck underneath something, and I had to like yank him out, and he got stuck behind his um cot. I walked in, and he was lodged down there, and it's like, help. And so <laughs> yeah, two for two. So we're at two. Last one. What else? Uh, my no, third one is more. he's figured out he's figured out where his treats are. They're in like a little wicker basket <laughs> where we keep all of his stuff and so he um he climbs up on the treats basket and tries to pull it over this is east all over i I caught bodie (laughs) in the cupboard with a chair getting down the chocolate and he ate five (laughs) big easter eggs it's it's exactly the same it's no different beautiful stuff (laughs) zara you mean you've never been a dog person Is, is that um i know that you sort of like your um which i think is fine i think that like i understand i remember when i told people i'm like ah i don't love dogs you stop saying it in public because people really like take it as a judgment call that you're a psychopath or something. But um, uh, what's your relationship with um, with dogs nowadays? Um, not not much change. If I didn't have to get a dog for my whole life, I don't think I would. My mm-hmm. brother, my younger brother, has never had a, a pet in his life, so he. He's realised that I'm of an age now where I could get a dog and he sends me dog photos all day, every day, thinking that I'm going to be the one to get a dog (laughs) and that he can just take it. And my boyfriend really wants a dog and thinks we're getting a dog before Christmas. I'm I'm just not sure. Like, I'm happy to indulge and say, sure, let's get this dog. But then I think about the reality of having a dog, the 6.30 wake-ups, the training it, it being around all the time, having to look after it. And I I just don't know if I've got it in me. I'm not going to lie, Zara. I don't think you'd want a dog. I think you'd get one. Mm. Like, I don't think I, I do you know either. Me? I adore dogs. I absolutely adore them. A puppy is so much work. Like mm. I think people really underestimate it. It's probably why so many puppies get returned after Christmas and like why there's all those awareness campaigns. They mm. are so intense in the first couple of weeks that if you are not, like if you don't fully want that dog with all your heart, you're going to fucking hate it. Yeah. Sounds I think like I need to hire energy. someone to train it. No, no, definitely not. This is the whole thing. It's like like my theory on the the dog stuff is like you get a dog when you've sort of, you've got enough time that you want to feed something else and and like deal Mm. with something else. But Mm. like the idea of then outsourcing it seems You know what you need, Zara? You need Unethical to maybe adopt too. a dog. <laughs> you need to adopt a dog who's like maybe two years old and is already trained. Yeah, I don't think I don't think actually you have I would it love in you. to do as that. As a non-dog lover, as a non-dog lover, you don't have it in you to do the first mm-hmm. month because it's it's hard and we're home all the time. I can't imagine ra- raising Benji and being at work eight hours a day. I don't know how it would be possible. He'd destroy the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. I reckon the Do you guys have dogs, fun. Josh and Tommy? Uh, <laughs> TJ, you answer nah, first. well, we um, opted for the child over the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the classic. The human. No, puppy. I had dogs growing up, but they were. It's you can't take. You can't mm-hmm. genuinely say you had a dog. Oh, you did have one, but you can't. It's not like you're experiencing you Michelle. Yeah. You, my dad did all the hard work. He he took it for walks. I just got to chill chill with him for seventeen years in the backyard, and so I got the best bit of it. But um, no, I would in the future. My mum, classic story, uh, we had a Dalmatian and da- uh, mum got it when I was born, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, almost the same time. What a nightmare. Three boys, uh, a baby being me, 
Mum left the front door open, hoping it would just go. <laughs> she, she got to that point. She got to that point. No, and and she and is you're a on a beautiful busy road too. on <laughs> down to earth yogi meditator, but she had had enough. You know, it everybody breaks and it her. broke. It, the yeah. dog broke. The well, dog came back. My sister, was, my sister <laughs> tried to raise a husky when she was um, heavily pregnant, and that was interesting oh. to watch as well. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Yeah, I just oh. feel like. Um, Things like travel and stuff. I think it's the extra cost in like, like I remember driving past like um, somewhere in Port Melbourne and you hear like the dogs barking where like everyone's hanging, like the dogs oh. are hanging out waiting for their owners. <laughs> and I'm Diggity just like. dog daycare. Yeah. South Melbourne. It, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't, um, doesn't feel right. Well, I mean, it, it begs the question, uh, I guess, no, I was thinking in hindsight after having a child, how... It's it's not even selfish because I don't think you're just living your life right without that part of the responsibility or that taking mm. up your your time. What do you th- um, for the non non dog or f- parent owners? I can't remember thinking in that time. No one probably asked me back then. Like all the time that you have, is it, is is it a is there a can you even get to the selfishness thinking in that time? Like not selfishness. Like what do you mean? It's more for yourself. Like it's about. Well, there, like isn't there the, the thing of like, okay, if you if you don't have ki- if you don't want to have kids, you're somehow like a selfish asshole. Whereas, like, well, do that's we all- what I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. it's it's what you are, but but there that is, is that. Now I get that narrative, but then isn't that also the narrative that allows a bunch of people who don't want to have kids or dogs to have kids and <laughs> kids and dogs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you want do you want kids, Josh? Nah, nah. Bree and I, really? Bree and I decided pretty early. Like we started. Um, dating when we were like 16, 17. Mm. And so we we spoke about it then where we're like, uh, mm. but it's interesting. Really? Yeah. And it hasn't changed this entire time. No. No. And I so it's, it's awesome. um, commendable. I li- actually, my brother doesn't want kids, but you're the you're my first friend that has said that. And, mm. it's, um, and I think probably when I first met you, it was like, huh, you know, you go through all those, come on, mate. You know, it might happen. That'll change. Never know. Yeah. We had a fight that, going to change. DFO, I remember, when you said, like, oh, you're too selfish to have a kid. <laughs> there was the blow up <laughs> Did there. I? I can't remember. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Do you get annoyed, Josh, right. when people – do you get annoyed when people insinuate that you don't know for yourself yet and that you're going to change your mind? Yeah. I mean, I think that – but also being the pushback guy, I feel like anyone telling me to do anything, like it's, it's like Brie and I – I've got. I'm not opposed to marriage at all. I want to get married um, to Bree just so we have that. Like, not even for the wedding. I can't be fucked with people and working out. Like, I, I did my first photo board for Bree's thirtieth. It's her thirtieth birthday today, and I was like, Is she thirty th- today? Yeah, she's thirty Happy birthday, today. Bree. What a youthful looking angel. I know it's outrageous though, but yeah. So she's thirty. Happy birthday, Bree. <laughs> And um, so I made the photo board and I was like, fuck, this reminds me of weddings because all of a sudden I, st- I took a photo for Instagram. I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't consider at all who, who were in the photos. I just picked just good photos. And so I like the idea of marriage in regards to like being connected, but the mm. rah-rah of the whole thing I, I'm not for. And so I think from a pushback perspective, when people say, oh, you need to do this or you need to do that, even if I had the thought in my head, I'm normally like, okay, reset. Like I need to push the, like I'm moving this around because I don't want to fucking do anything that mm. society's telling me do to do. Do you know do. what's embarrassing? Is it like that's such a no- 
noble way to look at it. Married or not, the rah-rah. I think I want mm-hmm. the rah-rah. You like, like, I you think like I the want, idea of the rah-rah? I just want a big party. Like, that's all I want. And I like an excuse. So and so I feel bloke. like people... You don't, you don't give a fuck. You just need... No, just need. <laughs> no, no. The person is important. But also so is the party. Like, having people... I think I think this is why I've always liked birthdays, right? Not because I like attention. I kind of get a bit embarrassed if I'm at the centre of it. But the idea that people can't really say no to you. Like, if you want to get people together and you're an extrovert, people can't really say no, they're busy, especially to a flake. wedding. You so can't you, flake nah, on a wedding. You, you can't flake a wedding. So therefore, you've got forcing everyone into the same space. Oh, this is—it sounds horrendous. I'm the same. I I don't really care for like a huge wedding, but I definitely want a wedding. Like, yeah. it's not the most important thing for me. Like, I think a lot more about marriage than I do about one day of my life. But I don't know. Just being able to like look nice and be around my family and friends, like that. You can do that on a Sunday. You know that. Like, uh, you yeah. Could. But I mean, no, it's but like, like how often do you get everyone you love in one room? And like, I'd be certain that both of mine and Mitch's families they wouldn't have that whole like um every second cousin has to be there or anything like that like we'd have no pressure on ourselves as far as guest lists go Mm. how often would you have everyone you love between you as a couple in one room you would never have that I actually don't think there's really any other occasion where everyone comes because it's a wedding everything Mm, else birthday parties people can flake it is special and but it is hard hard work like on the day it's I enjoy going to a party more than I enjoy hosting Throwing a party. Throwing it. Mm. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that's I really love true. To, I love going to other kids' parties with my son. We had one at our house. Absolute nightmare. There were so many children. <laughs> it's, it's But outrageous. that's a kid's party. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's that's, as rela- that's relatable for me at the moment. That's all, that's all the parties oh, I've been going to in the, the last what year a with kids. But, no, I think it's – it does – like, bringing family together, it is – hey, um – uh, this reminded me on the so my wife's from Sydney all, f- all the family are up there and you're right when would they ever fly down to Melbourne just to hang out with us all on the same weekend it would never happen unless it's you know got something to do with a wedding uh, or a divorce um, to, <laughs> but, but, no but um, Amy was pregnant at our wedding which we don't recommend absolutely don't recommend how pregnant are we talking 12 weeks s- or are we talking 9 months 6 Six weeks Ooh, and okay. sick, six oh, and sick. It that would was be hard. kidding. So annoying for her. Um, we had started telling people, which is probably not the best idea, uh, telling people early, and thankfully it all went went our way. Um, but Amy's auntie was on the plane, and she heard two pe- uh, heard the people sitting behind her talking about how they're going to the wedding, and that Amy, the bride, is pregnant. And Amy's auntie found out from sitting on the plane, hearing a oh conversation behind God. her that Amy was pregnant. What are the chances? I know. Was she not showing very much? How was it not abundantly well, clear six, that she was pregnant six, at six months? Well, six weeks. Six weeks. Pretty, it's just, oh, it's six just weeks. like a little, a little pee. Not six months. I six thought you said six months. I'm like, wow, no, she must have been no. really frigging small when she was six months pregnant. No, it, it was just a little a little pee in the, in the tummy, but she was, yeah, sick. So wow, that is early. That's yeah, very, very early, early for people to know. Oh, Josh has uh, muted himself, but he'll he'll come back. He <laughs> I does. like Josh. While Josh is muted, I love your bookshelf or your bookcases behind oh, yeah. Josh. Very colourful, very artistic. Harris, the colour coding kind of like, as well. It's colour coded, but you know what? It's not meticulous. It looks like they were kind of just like put there. That's true. Casually. It's not. 
it's not too try hard. Like it's not like I've crafted this bookshelf yeah. for the purpose of it being in my background. Although I feel the need to compliment your bookshelf now, Tommy, and what's behind you because you've well, got a nice setup. <laughs> I just got a couple of um, wardrobes. Wow, I will um, break it to you. That's a wallpaper behind Josh. It's a wallpaper. It's a green screen. Oh, is it a? <laughs> Pull out a book, Josh. I want to see. Not stop me. still yeah. here. I was about to ask, yeah. did we think that was a Brie job or a Josh job? And I was about to back Brie, but if it's a wallpaper, that's sad. No, it's not a wallpaper, I'm going to say. No, it's, it's not. A- <laughs> They're real books and he does have a, uh, I was going to say problem, but I guess if you're reading them and you're, you're being educated, it's it's far from a problem. Buying books. Does he read mm. them all or does he accumulate them to look like he's well read? I mean, I'd love to answer for him. That's a great question. <laughs> oh, he's nodding. He's nodding. I think he's accumulating them to make himself Can look you hear well me right. This is the biggest technical clusterfuck that we've had so far. I think something happened. We must the- be the bad the bad omens. No, no. You're mm. fine. I think it's all good. YouTube's still working. No, so no, I don't read the yeah. books to answer your question. Um, I don't have time for that. No, I, <laughs> I like the idea of books. I love like... I um, enjoy the aesthetic of books. I even love talking about that I'm going to read the book. I like to have the fireplace on on the um, TV, put it on, put something comfy on, have the book there. You've been doing that so much. So you're a fraud, basically. Yeah, no, I'm not a fraud. I enjoy everything about the book, but my eyes get tired. So I'm more of an audio book guy. (laughs) That's an experience of books I've not yet heard. I love everything about the book except the words inside. <laughs> well, it, no, there's Your whole just, image and no substance or oh, just definitely. how it appears to be. I know, I know. But no, there is something... Um, I, I read an article that talked about the fact that uh, you, be, you can become smarter by buying the book and not even reading it. God. I think I got that. What? Um, I think it's the same that if you smell healthy food... This is good. I'm so going to butcher this. You get some health benefits as well just by surrounding yourself with healthy produce, not particularly eating it. Michelle, queen of medical misinformation on digital (laughs) platforms. This is what we're all about. science if I've ever heard it. (laughs) Maybe I'll do a quick Google while I say that. I'm pretty sure that's correct. But Sevs can pull it up. Josh, I'd love to hear the thought process behind this article. Who wrote Mm -hmm. it? I don't and what's know. The idea? I, don't, I didn't read it. I just read the headlines. Are sorry, his eyes get ba- tired. Yeah. Didn't you hear? Have a bad Can habit I- and find the uh, literature to back it up. Whether yeah. that literature is BuzzFeed, it. I mean, it's still a backing up. Yeah, have you found something? I have something. Health benefits of smelling strong smelling foods. Research indicates Wait. that the oregano-sulfur compounds in alliums may slow or prevent the formation of cancer in the colon, esophagus, lungs, mammary glands, and stomach. Just from really? what's smelling. the source? So sniffing, so sniffing. No, you don't the need source a, is a barbecue. Oregano. Oregano. Um, <laughs> isn't it or, it's, oregano? Uh, oregano is the American, American pronunciation. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Piedmont Health something. I don't know. Oh, this legit. sounds. This sounds real. Yeah. Health I love it looks it. real. This sounds very legit. <laughs> it's a doctor's um, particularly smell onions, guys. Raw onions prevent really? cancer. Well, I actually um, I realized the other day because Bree and I have been doing a lot of like food delivery and like just and just mm. getting all of the um, like we're doing chin chin tonight for Bree's birthday yeah. or whatever. But just do, working our way through all the sort of fancy places on the weekends. But I realized that I'm not only doing that. But we got a lamp, so it's really dark 
in our apartment. And so we've just got sort of like a single warm lamp to sort of create a better vibe. But I remember reading somewhere that if you have low amounts of lighting, you eat more. So I feel like I've created this perfect <laughs> bubble where I've got like no light. We're basically eating in the dark and just having like deliveries constantly. By candles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. It's a bit of a nightmare. I mean, this is on the reading stuff. Zara, have you seen those um, bl- the blue light removing glasses? I've seen heaps of ads going around. I just feel like I you've feel something like, this. like you've been my phone. I have been messaging Michelle this so much. I've been telling her that reading from a screen is giving me headaches and I'm getting blurry eyes and that my eyesight is going. My eyesight is not going. I'm just desperate for it to go so I can get glasses. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like my solution is blue light glasses. Like, I don't even mind if they're a farce. I just want to look like a glass. Yeah, is, is this not too dissimilar? Like, wanting to wear glasses when you don't have a prescription isn't that the same vein of me owning all these books and not reading them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, exactly hold on. Mine's way more, I mean, there's vanity. There's, the thread is vanity for sure. Um, Isn't it a bit, I but, almost feel like it's a case, you know, like people crack the shits because like hot actors were getting ugly roles. I feel like this is the equivalent where it's, you, you don't have permission to wear glasses. Like unless you need them, Zara, you can't be, you can't be increasing your uh, look based on glasses of poor taste. We did do a few unofficial eyesight tests in the office. Zara was saying this for a long time. So I was just getting like bits of paper with um, letters on them and going across the office and getting her to read them. And you got 100%, my friend. I don't think you have an eyesight problem. We have very productive days in the office, if you can't tell. (laughs) I was also also sitting on like a spec, I think it's Specsavers website and they do... (laughs) They do like virtual eye try-ons. Josh, have you tried these? And what yeah. happens is you can pick the glasses and they take a photo of your face and you just try on all these glasses virtually. And I was like picking the ones that I wanted. I just need I just need worse eyesight now. Glasses you just need a hobby. You no, know, glasses yeah. right now. I think it's such a good like fashion accessory. <laughs> do, do you think it gives you depth? Um, as in eyesight wise or personality wise? <laughs> No, image-wise, personal brand-wise. Oh, image-wise. Yeah, I think it's like, um, yeah, what is it? TJ, what do you think my glasses well, say about me? Maybe not for you, but faux intelligence. It's like the person who has all the books. They're not, yeah. they're not the you know person what? smart as, you know, they're not the smart person that read them all mm-hmm. and has the depth of knowledge there. But visually, right, you're smart. Yeah, what you do look you real smart. Sure? It's it's the same thing with people with British accents. I think if you have a British accent, you instantly sound mm. 10% more sophisticated and more well-read. British people, Absolutely. I just instantly think they're smarter than people with other accents, including Definitely. Americans. Sorry, Americans. I'm, I'm, I'm American more people. likely to listen to a doctor with a British accent. But then you hear <laughs> yeah. what happened with um, COVID-19 and you're like, well, with all these accents, how could it have gone so wrong? But um, <laughs> well, I mean, all of the, these the, accents. Yeah. <laughs> To be honest, I haven't or I haven't enjoyed um, English accent movies. I mean, it's not a genre at all, but it's just English people acting. <laughs> you mean British films? Hugh Grant is a genre <laughs> of his own. Yeah, yeah I get. Yeah. I know. I guess, but I haven't. So I hate. I hate period dramas. I'm just gonna. Yeah. I know that The Crown and all this stuff is great. People love it. Blah, what about blah, like blah, Notting blah. Hill? Do you like Notting Hill? Yeah, I did like the film, but it at least had Sandra. Was it Sandra Bullock in it? Who was the... No, no was, Julia no, Roberts. No. Sorry, Come Julia on. Roberts. We don't, we don't. She's American. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Sandy in Notting Hill. <laughs> but there's, there's something about the American – we grow up on it, right? Like, have you, have you both been to America ever? No, yes. Zara has. Don't you feel like when you're there – I think we're, we're trained when we're young watching Hollywood films and American accents. Like, it feels so – like it, it's like this is where the stars are. You know what I mean? Like it's Hollywood. they've done yeah. a good branding piece on American accents across the globe. Mm. No, they have, and because I reckon I heard more American accents watching pop culture when I was younger than Australian, it feels like the default almost, like the number one. When mm. in reality, that's See, not maybe a, it's true because, at all. Maybe it's because my dad's British. My dad moved over from England when he was a boy, and both my grandparents are English. So maybe I was just immersed in more British stuff than American stuff. Because my default's well, not American. My default's British. Did you watch The Bill as a kid? The yes. Bill? I oh Saturday, yes. <laughs> love The Bill. I, to be honest, that it. was one that I liked, The Bill. Uh, it was a the great, was great. Sort of police police drama. Mm, I was did more of a watch watch Bill as guy. No. Yeah, it, it was what about English Love Actually? Love Actually. The, f- the film? Yeah. Why do you keep saying that? Notting- was Notting Hill a No, a did book? I say The Film? Yeah, but for both times you said A Film? Is like the film. Oh, I'm trying to. It's giving, buying me time. Is that to buying think. time? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good. It's a good time. way. It makes you the sound film. more intellectual because, like, you yeah, can say it to anything. Normal yeah. people. The like, film. The, the, the study. Film? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The book. The book. The book? I mean, I, if I say it enough, I will get it right that there was a series, and yeah. I may have been the one that has read them all, and I needed to decipher mm. which one we're specifically speaking to. Mm. But um, I mean, speaking of books, uh, I mean. And also, like, um, things that make you feel good, announcements. I remember months and months ago, you announced that you're writing a book of your own. Yes. Um, how's indeed. the process been versus the announcement? What felt better? <laughs> oh. Um, it's such an interesting <laughs> the- one because we've been working on it for so long. We signed the book deal in a food court in April of 2019. So what food it's court been was a it? full year. It was um, High Point, High Point. Court, which I mm-hmm. we had never been there in our entire lives. We just happened to be there. Did you eat as well? We were doing like some work there. Yeah. We were we having um, the chips, the crinkly chips from one of the burrito Salsas. places. Oh, yeah. Salsas. Salsas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were just oh, hot desking. Yeah. Do you reckon you'll <laughs> for, mo- morph the story into I was hot desking, uh, was getting some lunch at the time. I love the story. It's great. It was very us. Like we seem to be eating chips in all of our big moments with Shameless. So I think it was not, uh, fitting that the book contract. They're not glamorous moments, time. are they, Michelle? Oh no, not even a little bit. Food court is very on brand for us. Um, it's been weird. It's it's um, interesting. The book is entirely done, basically. Like it's in proof editing mode right now, and in the mode kind of like the awkward phase of reaching out to people and be like, "Can you read this and give us an endorsement or like um, a little." Mm quote to put on the book cover if you like it so that's an uncomfortable but important thing to do as well so i don't know it's weird like it feels like forever ago that we wrote the thing so i just can't Mm. wait for it to be out and for people to read it because it feels like we wrote most of it what zara like nine months ago yeah i reckon we started really writing it and we will give more detail in it in the next two weeks we're not even trying to be deliberately evasive actually no we are deliberately being evasive but it is coming like into it can you give us some form of exclusive come on um we michelle what kind of the word the is in it oh yeah there's your big exclusive first is that a film or is that three the title's three words there you go yeah. Okay. Well, that's lots of clues. Yeah. Um, I, so I reckon we started writing it in June last year. And so 
I think what I find so strange is that I was, for most of the book, we smashed it out in about a lot of the book writing we did in like the first eight weeks and I was 24 at the time and I will be 26 when it's out and it feels like quite a gap in maturity and sometimes you're reading back and you're like, oh, would I say this differently or would I do this differently? But I think that's the case with any work, especially on such a long timeline. But mm. it was pretty hard. God, I wouldn't I recommend think- writing a book if you've got a, um, if you struggle with self-esteem. <laughs> Yeah, just you just feel like the world's shittest person and like like so stupid. I know that sounds so dramatic, but you just feel like you can't get your words out, you're not articulating anything well, you're not smart and you're not good. Because like I feel like I pretend like I'm like I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna start and I'll start and like this is gold, but I never bring it to any any person so it feels quite safe you know it calls bullshit i think it happens yeah. all over the place i think it happens in the writing phase it happened for me probably more than it did for zara i think in the actual mm. writing bit before anyone put eyes on it i think i was self-guessing myself all the time and i would start writing um one part of the book and then look at the idea and be like i don't even like that idea i'm mm. gonna start all over again so i think i more than zara in the writing phase had a huge crisis of confidence and like was looking at some of my work being like this is just not it and then i'd scrap it and start again and then the editing phase we probably like oscillated a little bit between who found it more difficult um but there were definitely moments for both of us where we were like fucking hell I'm the worst writer ever this Mm. will never be good there were such huge moments of like um depleted confidence where we were like this book is just not as good as we want it to be but we finally got to the point now um after working on it for so long where we're genuinely really happy like after we finish this chat i'm gonna sit down with the final manuscript and go through and um mark any proof edits that i can spot so it's been an interesting process and to kind of see it in like physical form has been really exciting i don't think people warn you enough about that slump though i think for i know i know it's i don't even think it's just um a case of book writing but I think any project you work on for a really long time those slumps were so big like I would genuinely go to bed the night before knowing that I had to do a whole day of like looking at edits and rearranging stuff and kind of recrafting ideas and not being able to sleep because I was so filled with dread because you're Mm. literally facing all of this work that you put in for months and it potentially being wrong or needing to change or not being smart enough or not making sense and that's kind of hard but Misha's right like there's a lot in there and we've done everything we can to get it to a point where it's at least readable but that we were talking yesterday it's the permanency of the thing like we've always Mm. worked in digital and in podcasting I feel like you guys would be similar the idea that something's in print forever is is can I swear yeah you can I've been swearing the entire time now the impact's gone (laughs) fucking terrifying um Yeah, it's um, it's a weird one. It's been fun though. Like, I think the process has made us better writers for sure. Having Mm -hmm. such talented editors and copy editors work with us on it has been so great because we're working with people who are far smarter and um, yeah, far more educated about the industry than we are. So it's been great for our development. I think. I mean, we're only in our mid twenties, so it's been just awesome to have like mentors around us showing us the ropes. Well, I I guess it's. Uh, the first time you're going through it what I, what I even like I've started releasing a video a day to be fair I've done one uh, today I'll do another <laughs> I saw tomorrow, it looks awesome but I last night I was editing and I was like oh hello old friend I, w- I wasn't talking to myself I was think I was <laughs> no 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 it wasn't anyone in my house I was the old friend is that voice in your head uh, just going this is shit look at you mm. you got a fucking line in your forehead like you just start criticizing <laughs> S- yeah. like the most stupid shit that no one thinks about 
but mm. I like I've I've done so many videos in my life and I'm still getting that. So I, I think that like the only certainty is that there will be that lizard brain at some mm. point along the creative process. But I guess it's I like it's also, how you deal with I'm sorry. it. It's just how yeah, how you deal with Tommy. it. Uh, I think it's I, um is it the bed thing that I brought up earlier? Is that? <laughs> I'm really angry with you, so I'm going to cut you off every time. Um, I'll be your. Yeah, I, I think actually, as well. How like, much do you want to? How much do you want to pay for the air tasker? Because I'm happy to do it. I'll be on. We'll do. What's your rate? What's mate, your rate I'll, I'll, to come pick it up? He's on JobKeeper, so we we'll do it for. for 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, ten bucks. Cash. Ten bucks. Yeah. Cash. I'll Petrol's just put that cheap. back into my car. Bet, yeah, ten bucks. I'll make you a hot meal. Oh great! Okay. What oh, sort of hot yeah. meal? Oh. Yeah, I what, think she's saying no, tw- no, ten bucks. She doesn't want to pay the ten bucks. JJ. Ten bucks, but it, will, it depends. What is the hot meal? Like a um, what would you want? What's worth more than ten dollars? I'll make you oh. a ho- I'll make you a roast or something. What about that? Like, oh, the- Michelle, have you sure. ever cooked a roast in your life? <laughs> no. You know, you were doing the you were doing that lamb thing that you had your mate helping with. You know, like oh, both of you had been cooking, that but that looked Zara. amazing. The pool. Yeah. yeah. yeah what have I done? Ragu. I've done lamb and ragu. I mean, I say yeah. I have. I actually can't cook. I'm a bit of a an more Ollie. fraud. Um, my boyfriend is the cook. <laughs> I'll put it on my Instagram. No, I appreciate it. I mean, look at me. Mm. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, look behind. The look books, behind. the books. Um, uh, of course, I get it now. Wow, that was um, our joke as well. I know. That's no, okay. <laughs> so the, um, the whole thing around like uh, writing a book and then having like a year and a half or whatever and getting mm. older, how much from a growth perspective is there like with the podcast? And like I feel like we go, we oscillate between it being fun for what we're doing, but then there's definite moments of like, oh, this is actually, this is work right now. How has the relationship changed in regards to how you view the the podcast oh that's so interesting whether it became more like work in the time that we yeah. were writing yeah well, not even when you're writing just in general like how has your perception of the podcast changed yeah i think it's um it's gone from being i mean it it, it started it was the thing that i used to look forward to my week um it's it's not probably the thing i look forward to most in the week and that's not because i don't love it anymore like i love it a lot but because it becomes the central part of your business and your work day you think of it very very differently to when it was some random kind of project that you and your friend were just sitting down talking smack about um so it's definitely i think i think because also the job just gets harder as time goes on like because it gets bigger and it gets harder you take it so much more seriously and the fun we try so hard now that we've realized that it's it's work to bring Bring the fun into it and make sure that there are really fun aspects so that we continue to feel that sense that we felt at the very start because it's always going to end up feeling like work it's never always just going to be your hobby mm-hmm. but to have those elements of fun has been really important for us to put it in there so it does sometimes just feel like two friends jumping on a mic mm-hmm. yeah totally and it is still fun but it definitely changes because the bigger something gets the more you realize like in the early days we would have had what 50 listeners an episode and it was for us like the majority of why we did the podcast was for our own enjoyment but the bigger something gets and the bigger the audience gets it becomes more for them than it is for you so it's a matter of balancing what you genuinely find interesting and what you want to talk about with what the listeners want to hear 
And I think the bigger a podcast gets, it doesn't always neatly align. So it's kind of like finding a happy medium. What does Zara and I genuinely enjoy talking about and what does our audience want? And I think that's been a really good learning curve for us to try and find balance between those two things. Because if we only listen to what we want or we only listen to what they want, it won't be a good product in the end because we're not genuinely enjoying and we're not genuinely invested in what we're doing. So it's like we love the podcast. We love it so much. It's such a joy to bring it out. I definitely find at the moment, I think the Thursday episodes where we interview influential people, those are like my favorite things to do. I always get nervous before we sit down and do them, but I feel like I take so much away from them. And I feel like I genuinely love sitting down with people who are so clever in their fields and so insightful because mm. I it's so rare that I'll walk away from an episode and not feel like I've learned something or have a new perspective or a new um, mantra on life or approach to work or approach to relationships that I didn't have beforehand. So yeah, I, th- I think the the more the podcast has gone on, the more I genuinely really love the Thursday episodes um, mm. and how much I really like relish that time with people. Cause you don't get to sit down with incredible people that often. Like they're so time poor. So to be given that privilege is just such a joy. Yeah. Did you guys find that when you were recording twice a day, that kind of the the joy was harder to find because you were pushing out so much stuff and you became like on a bit of a hamster wheel or not? Um, I think like for me, I enjoy I enjoy the um, like the doing. Like I love I love this part of it. I love the tech. I love all that sort of mm. thing. I think that the part that I find the hardest to reconcile is the relationship with the listener, and so understanding. Okay, like. I don't have a huge friendship circle or whatever. Like I have a, a few tight friends and that's really it. And so it's thinking about like, okay, what's the empathy for the listener? What do I like, what am I saying right now? And how does that like, what is that? How does that impact them or what's interesting right now? And so I think that why, what I find so interesting about your success is you've been able to, I think it's such a different world that you're in because when you get to a scale, all of a sudden that relationship can change where it's like you're just hearing from it. Like the the amount of noise that would mm. be hitting you. I don't know if I could do it. I, like it's a conversation that TJ and I have all the time, which is like we're always like half pushing our stuff out there because I'm all, like mm. there's that worry that if you go outside of your circle or if you go outside of your frequency, you're going to find people who – it's not for, and then you have to be prepared for whatever, you know, they have to say about it. I think that's yeah, the reality pretty- of anything though. Yeah. I yeah. feel like um, with, I was talking to Zara about this last week, like with normal people, it's something that I genuinely love. Like normal people by Sally Rooney is my favorite book. And the television series is one of my favorite television series of all time, but it's not going to be for everyone. And that's mm-hmm. definitely something that you just have to accept. Like it's not going to um- be for everyone. And we're really lucky because what we've managed to do in the last couple of years is find some pretty good mentors who can talk to us about how how things grow and what how normal it is for people to find a product they don't really like or to find a product they're really, really invested in and it goes both ways. And for us to be able to have people to bounce off has been like completely invaluable because for so long we've been driving blind, just the two of us, and we're kind of too young and like without the maturity to really understand – um, how this industry works. Like we're just in many ways too green. So to be able to have people to bounce off keeps you completely sane, like so sane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we find them so helpful, like particularly in times like this where we're all in our homes, jumping on a call with a mentor who can kind of give us a bit of perspective has been so wonderful. 
I think there's also the version of how you were coping and dealing with any feedback or um, creative project and what the internal monologue is for yourself because, you know, some people could have the exact same situation but dealing in the exact opposite, um, you know, way of handling it. Mm. And so mm. the the audience thing at the start, like you create something at the beginning and you, and it's very hard to understand and put a face to or a, you know, a, a persona to the audience um, and really embody that. And then you start having people starting to listen and then it's like, ah, it makes it that much easier to turn on the microphone because I know that I'm talking to the, our friends, the Gronk Squad, mm-hmm. and you start really sort of seeing that. But I guess, JJ, you're talking about that step up from that, which is when there's a, you know, a hall full of noisy people and, um, you know, every, there's every version of every person there. Well, because, you know? like, if, if you've got 100 people, there's got to be, like, at least five bad apples or whatever, right? Like, surely, like, and so when you think about from a scale perspective, it's like, yeah, I think that that's a, an interesting challenge around uh, listening to feedback and knowing, okay, this is stuff that, you know... Because the other thing too is I think that feedback is normally like there's truth to feedback, but it's normally the thing that actually like makes you different. So it's that weird thing of being like, okay, this piece of feedback, yeah, they're right. I am this or I am that, but that's sort of like a a superpower or something that I want to focus on. When do on the mentor stuff, Mish, like when do you reach, reach out to them? Like, is it through times where it's tough or do you sort of have regular calls? I think we try to do it regularly. I think it's definitely more regular when life is normal. We probably hadn't done it as regularly um, in isolation just because we haven't seen people. We haven't had the meetings that we generally tend to have. So it's mostly on a regular basis. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important for anyone in the industry. I mean, it's an odd industry that we're in, but we also have a responsibility, I think, that um, if you do have an audience, it's your responsibility to listen to them and um, be open-minded and everything. So, yeah, I think... For anyone listening, if you don't have a mentor in an industry that is very public, I would be my number one recommendation. Like I very much hope that one day Zara and I individually or as a pair could be mentors to the same way that people have been mentors to us in the last 12 months because I think it's been one of the key things that have helped us had have perspective on it. So what do they say then? What's, what's, what's some of the things that stand out? Do you know what? It's Sometimes it's the stuff that you kind of know to be true, but you just want someone who you think is smart and empathetic to say it back to you. And it's just sort of like confirmation bias of something you think is true, but you really are desperate for them to say, yep. Um, And I think for us, it's been mainly around growth. Like, as you say, growth has been so good, but there's also a lot of noise and the the hall and the house is quite big I think all that's done for us is um probably it's more important for us to take breaks from it I think more important for us to take holidays just to sort of like get out of that for a bit and get back into our own heads and our own lives for a couple of weeks at a time I also kind of think that a job like this one has made me more introverted rather than extroverted like I was quite an extrovert before I started this podcast but I think because you're interacting with people all the time and you're having conversations about things all the time and that's where your work energy is going in my private life I'm finding myself like kind of wanting to live a much quieter existence than I ever have. And that's probably why I've loved this period of isolation so much, much to my surprise. I wonder if, if you're the same, Mish. 
Um, I, d- I don't like isolation purely because of mental illness stuff. Like, I don't think it's good for my mind to ever be idle. And I said that you can probably hear Mitch, by the way, um, playing with our puppy in the background. Um, <laughs> I, it's not good for my mind to not be busy. And that is kind of backwards. And I probably need to get to a place where it's fine for me to be quiet and to be in solitude or like have peacefulness and not be anxious. But that's just not where I am at the moment. Um, and I know lots of anxious people are very similar. That The busier you are, the better you are. So I don't enjoy isolation not because um I don't like spending quality time with my partner like it's been wonderful to wake up and work with Mitch every day but Mm. I want to be busy I want to be commuting again every day I want to be coming across what about in terms of like the job in terms of like whether it's made you moral I mean I guess maybe I kind of was a tiny like wanted to go out more midweek all the time like for dinner and got my energy Mm. there and that's kind of cut back way back I don't know if it's changed for you based on how the job has changed Um, I mean, as far as am I more introverted or extroverted, is that what you mean? Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's definitely the feeling of wanting to fold into myself. And I I saw that Pandora Sykes, she's a podcaster out of the UK. She hosts, she's the co-host of the Hilo show for anyone who's not familiar with her. um, This is a nightmare. I've got a fire alarm test. Oh, Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, I'm going to mute myself. It's all right. Um, while, while you talk, You'll be back. it's, just, it's yeah. about the timing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get what you tweeted though. Sorry, she said that um, she wants to be like human origami. That right now she feels like um, the noise of the internet is very, very loud, and she wants to hmm. kind of hide away and um, just be quiet. And I definitely feel like that. Like I've definitely, in the last week in particular, kind of wanted to spend less and less time on my phone because I just feel like it can be quite um, confronting or like invasive sometimes to have a lot of noise so I definitely feel like that but as far as being introverted extroverted in person I don't know I think I'm mostly the same but I have noticed Zara probably become more introverted but we're probably on the same level now I think you were probably more extroverted than I was before all this yeah now I've just been similar yeah I love it I, really um, love I, I did have a question. I don't know if, if it's too distracting in the background. <laughs> oh no, the, I can't um, hear anything, mate. Are you um, okay? Good, good. Yeah, um, this is going studio. really well. The I can't do two things at once, but I just wanted to know the thank you um, in regards to the uh, feedback. <laughs> just push, push through, okay, push completely. through. This is an amazing the, indication of how it is to record. Yeah, at this home. is great. Yeah. This is work, working from home. It's great. Now the I've got um, a builder coming to my house in about half an hour. Really, too, so hopefully, we'll social stick media for that. stuff. Like so, the the busy thing I find interesting, Mish, because it's like there's different types of busy. There can be the busy where you can be scrolling through and writing back to people and doing all of that. What is the the busy that serves? versus the busyness that adds to the anxiety the more time i'm off my phone the better so if Mm -hmm. i'm busy in in terms of like um commuting around and being in the office and being around zara and annabelle and not being left for my own thoughts to go wild um that's better for me being in the office with other people i feel like i'm such an overthinker that if i see something or um I don't know. I feel like when I, because I'm such an overthinker and if I'm not busy, it's like all my walls of insulation are just totally torn down. Mm-hmm. So something that would normally not get through and I wouldn't even think about now does only, it doesn't only penetrate, it like consumes me. So I've definitely noticed that like 
going into isolation, I've had to like triple the amount of psychologist appointments I'm going to. I'm now going every fortnight instead of every six weeks. And I haven't done that since 2017 when I began going. So, um, yeah, just the, the nature of being by myself or stuck with my own mind is mm. not ideal. But, I mean, the hard bit is that is the human experience. We are mm. like, we are, we, I mean, this is the, Sam Harris who uh, has a meditation app called Waking Up has an awesome, awesome talk about uh, meditation in, in the middle of chaos and, and it's about being in isolation and essentially what you're talking about. Um, it's an opportunity where we are all needing to have time to ourselves, quiet time where mm. we are confronted with our mind. I mean, how do you reconcile between uh, creating enough noise that you're distracted from your own mind and then the re- the reality of, you, you know, you will have quiet time where you have to confront that stuff. I, I'm asking as someone who, you know, you've mentioned you have anxiety and this is not a ideal time for you. How do you, how do you reconcile mm. that? Well, I mean, in an ideal world, it would be different. Like in an ideal world, I'd be able to cope um, without needing noise. And I understand that that would absolutely, absolutely be a long-term goal. But I think for now... I'm just trying to get through. Like I'm just trying to mm. be okay at the end of everything where I'm not an emotional, anxious wreck. So I know that like best case scenario, I'd be able to spend long patches of time by myself and be blissful and totally happy. And hopefully one day that is the case. All I know is that right now it's not the case. And I'm, I don't think it's helpful for anxious people to beat themselves up over that. Mm. I think mm. like if you're in the middle of a pandemic, it's fine to get through however you want to get through and however you can not survives a bit hyperbolic but however you can um maintain some kind of like balance and calmness so i mean yeah ideally i would be able to just do this on my own and be okay it just it isn't the case right now so uh, i've i'm not on medication at the moment so i would prefer to stay off it just for personal reasons because i'm already on so much medication for my asthma um so i think it's just a matter of finding new coping mechanisms and figuring out what will work because so many different people with anxiety and mental illness have so many different ways of coping Mm. and kind of like having a strategy or a game plan around tackling it so it might be a matter of going back to the drawing board with my psychologist and figuring it out but right now i'm just trying to get through a day without like bursting into tears because i'm so overwhelmed is the overwhelm because i i feel like i get very overwhelmed when there's like a lot of people involved because it feels Mm. like i'm a storyteller And so the more people, the more potential stories or the more small interactions that I could then be um, misinterpret or create a story about it, like that person writing that, they definitely mean this. How much of it for you is uh, triggered by that sort of interaction uh, with other people? Uh, as far as people in person, very, very little. Like, I don't think I spend time with people and then go away and fret over what I did. Like, my anxiety is not very socially uh, entwined mm-hmm. at all. Um, I think my anxiety, actually, I'm like, we've written, I've written about this before and it'll come up in future projects, but um, my anxiety is very much related to myself. Like, it's not how I relate to other people, it's how I relate to me. And like my, I'm hyper, hyper critical of myself, which I think serves me well in some contexts and that I think it makes me good at my job often, not all the time, but most of the time. Um, But when you're only left with your work 
and you're only left with um, either noise on the internet or whatever and you don't have the people that you love around you as much, like my girlfriends, um, Mitch's friends, our family, Zara even, just having her as a sounding board every day or Annabelle in person, then I am left with my own hypercritical thoughts and it's very difficult to get through a day when you're constantly being told by yourself that you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. So that's my anxiety. My anxiety is not related to other people. My anxiety is entirely related to my relationship with myself. And so then that doesn't project on, like, so say if you feel a certain way about yourself, like Mm. I feel like this with my weight where it's like if I'm feeling heavier, I feel like people are thinking thinking that. How much of it then projects back or is it all like contained? I mean, occasionally it's an interesting question because you would think that if that's the way I think about myself, and if I am, if I do get into spirals of like self-hatred that I would then assume that everyone else hates me. And sometimes I do think that way, but it's not like day to day I come home and I have all these little instances of moments where I think I've upset someone or I've said the wrong thing or I've annoyed someone. Um, I don't know, Zara, you know me well. What do you think? Well, in what context? What's What kind of sets you well, off Well, I don't most? know. What do you think triggers my anxiety? Um, it's a really, I do think idle time. I don't think that there are sometimes, sometimes I think, I know this is so weird to try and psychoanalyze you in front of other people, but it's kind of interesting to me because sometimes you'll think something is the trigger, like whether it be a situation at work or maybe it might be, for example, like book writing got really intense and you're like, well, it must be that. And I kind of try and sit there with you and I'm like, well, I don't feel like our situation has changed that much or our scenario has changed that much. So is there something else going on? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I remember, um, to give an example to everyone listening who's like, what the fuck are they talking about? I remember a couple of weeks ago we had to reach out to a few people to ask them to read our book. And I found that so intensely anxiety-inducing. I had to, like, turn off my phone um, and, like, sit by myself because mm. I couldn't grapple with the thought of me sending something to someone and then them realising that I – like, I don't know, because I think it's not good enough or I think I'm not good enough, giving it to someone else and then – dealing with the fact that they might turn around and be like, yeah, like validate my fear. So that was mm. weird because I was so intensely yeah. anxious. And Dara was like, why the fuck are you, like, what's going on? You were on? like, I, I can't hit send on these emails. I'm throwing my phone across the room. And I remember calling you mm. being like, okay, worst case scenario right now is no one replies. And that is is not yet like indication that people hate the book. It's more of an indication that people are too fucking busy to read our entire mm. book and give us an endorsement. Like that's all it is. It's hard to read. And that is totally mm. fair. Like if someone sent us something, what's the guarantee that we would have the time or energy outside mm. of our own work and projects to dedicate to that? Like that's mm. that's not personal in the slightest. But it is that kind of sense of of like I guess in those kind of moments sometimes logic doesn't really mm. matter. I think when most of emotional logic doesn't matter and many of the feelings that we have aren't married to logic or rational mm. at all. And it's just but, struck yeah. me, this probably seems very self-indulgent them having people psychoanalyze me, but I genuinely do believe <laughs> that it's helpful for anyone to talk about anxiety and depression on a public mm. sphere, like platform, wherever that is. Like not to say that my anxiety is special or that we should all sit around and pick it apart. But just to say that it's helpful for anyone to talk about anxiety because I don't I think we have conversations around anxiety that are quite surfacey and kind of downplay mm-hmm. how serious it is. I think anyone who knows me very well, whether that's Zara or Mitch or my family, know that it's quite intense at times. Mm-hmm. And I think public discourse around what anxiety looks like can be quite silly and downplay like the severity of what it can look like day to day. I feel like yeah, logic, I, I, um, TJ, like I feel like we talk a lot about like our um 
I feel like I'm tr- if I'm in a spiral, someone trying to speak logically to me, I feel like only triggers me more because mm. it feels like in that moment it's like, no, like you've got your reality, I've got my reality, you're not speaking. Like we, we both think that we're speaking from a place of logic, who's right or who's wrong. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, TJ, what's, what's your thoughts? Because I feel like you've had a... You have a different journey in regards to anxiety that it's there, but it's not necessarily. It doesn't come out the same way as say what mine does. Well, I guess uh, just on your point, Michelle, around the conversation of anxiety, I think you know, like me as a, you know, twelve-year-old or fifteen-year-old or eighteen-year-old or twenty-three-year-old. I, I don't think I was thinking that I was an anxious person. I didn't identify. I don't think the conversation was definitely there, but it's not like it is today where, you know, everyone is reflecting and and reflective of their internal dialogue and what state they're in. And it's nothing but positive, I I think. Um, But yeah, there's there's differing uh, uh, levels of anxiety and like you said, you you have severe or you have a a small amount. It's like it is worth um, understanding and, and, and knowing what that feeling is and acknowledging Mm -hmm. it. It's, I mean, JJ, there's a, I think it's a, our versions of what, you know, what anxiety we have Mm -hmm. are, uh, I think I am one that goes to that logic place. It's probably, you know, maybe it is, I I feel like, um, Zara, you mentioned about the email stuff and th- those things are... Mm. Do you find that reassuring, Michelle, when you hear that from Zara, that sort of sting yeah, of logic? Yeah, that's what I was just about to ask. No, of course. Because I'm not I sure. What it is, though, is that I put too much value. I know that my value is misplaced. Like, I know that my priorities or my value system is out of whack. Like, I, pay, I place far too much emphasis on what other people think of me compared to the average person like I think I'm hypercritical and I place too much value in everyone's opinions of me um so but when Zara does say what's the worst thing that can happen is that they don't reply and the reasons that they might not reply extend beyond you suck like Mm -hmm. reasons are they've got young kids at home they're asked to do this every second week by authors and if they said yes to us they'd have they'd feel pressure to say yes to everyone else um they just might miss it in their inbox and it might be totally innocent. Like saying those things genuinely does does help me and does put into perspective. Um, it's it's an interesting thing with my anxiety. I feel like if I vocalize something though, I'm already kind of like the horse is bolted. Like as soon as I've had the thought and then got into the stage of voicing it out loud, it's too late. Like the anxiety is already there. I'm already spiraling about it. I have so many thoughts all the time that Often I push them down, but if I vocalise one, it's kind of like, oh, fuck, I'm having a bad day. Um, Does anything serve you in your anxiety? Because I feel like part of the thing is like I'm very obsessive and so mm-hmm. if it's on the wrong thing, it's destructive, but then if it's on the right thing, it could be extremely productive. Does your anxiety serve you at all, Mish? I think my anxiety has served me um, in a career sense because I think it makes me care a lot about what I do. I think it has also made me a more empathetic and sensitive person. I think um, we can often talk about like sensitive people as being weak, but I think there is a certain strength in caring and caring deeply about the people and the things around you. And I genuinely do care a lot about a lot of things. And I'm not sure I would be caring 
and be empathetic without my anxiety not to glamorize mm-hmm. it because it's still an illness but i think the mm-hmm. the parts of my personality that are anxious parts are definitely parts of me that care deeply about family and friends like i'm fiercely fiercely loyal to my family in particular um and like my partner and everything so i think i i am extremely affectionate extremely loving um, as a person. So those are the positive aspects. I mean, the negative aspects are probably I'm also hyper emotional all the time. Like I have very emotional responses to things because I place so much um, self-worth in otherwise meaningless everyday things. Yeah, it's a um, it's an interesting one because, yeah, if it serves you or if, it's, if it feels like it's really part of you, I think that that's the hard thing is it's like um, I think that a lot of I spend a lot of time in trying to work out the fixing of these things. Like, okay, what mm. can I do to like fix this or fix that? Or, And it feels so intertwined with everything that you do that it seems quite hard to separate the mm. good and the bad. Yeah, I've done um, – it'll – yeah, there's, there's stuff that I've done about this as well that I'm excited to share. Um, but I definitely feel like I've always been an anxious person. So figuring out where that line is between, okay, I've, I was anxious when I was a toddler – and I was anxious when I was 13 and 18 and 25 and now 26. When did it become an anxiety disorder? And where is the line between the two? Like, what do mm-hmm. I look like without anxiety? I would look like a completely different person. So it's not like I want to remove the anxious parts of myself because they make me who I am. I want to remove the parts of myself that make it extremely difficult to function sometimes. And this is the first time my anxiety has been mismanaged or out of control in years. Like the last couple of years, it's been really quite well managed. I just want to be honest about it not being managed at the moment because I think that's important. I think so often we hear conversations around mental illness when someone's doing really well like they've gone through it they've gotten help and now they're okay and i don't think mental illness is ever that linear i don't think mm-hmm. you, you can you start- even say mismanage yeah. then like how do you miss it like you're managing well, I, I, it differently I, 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 yeah because you're i think you're applying fault there yeah. well it's not that i'm see it's tricky like because there is some fault in that i'm not exercise exercise is a huge part of managing my anxiety i'm not exercising anywhere near enough um so it's yeah, you're right. It's probably is putting blame on myself again. But I do think there's a problem with conversations around mental illness only happening when someone's reached a resolution. And I think mm-hmm. in reality, you're going to have hurdles and need to find resolutions again and again and again. So it's helpful to talk about it when you're like, so this is a dip and I'm not yeah. doing great, but I'm going to do yeah. something about it. Well, I can't, like I can't remember a stint of more than two days where I've felt amazing. And whether it be just some version of anxiety or stress that comes in. So that that is the promise of the human experience is that it will be up and down and every version of your emotion across a week or a couple of days or even a day itself. Mm. And so, I mean, that's, I mean, the, all, the, all this stuff is right, like us understanding and accepting what what is the human experience and then it's the way forward. Yeah, I don't know if there's a... A version of fixed which mm-hmm. you know medication will keep you at a like high high levels of medication could keep you at a exact version but i mean that that's not the existence that you you want necessarily and i wonder if there's like a lifestyle that like so being in the spotlight being in the public eye having a big audience i mean like do you think mish about like oh if i was if I was doing like a regular job where I wasn't didn't have so many sort of because there's if you if you if you've got the self-critical 
part of you in you and then you enter into a world that is critical and that allows for people to give that sort of feedback do you ever think about what your life or what you'd be like as a person if you weren't exposed to that yeah all the time i mean zara and i both have siblings who are in um completely non-public careers like it's um very like traditional career paths i think it would be natural for both of us to even consider what our lives would be like if we weren't in the media and doing what we were doing um i i have considered and i thought about it i think about it all the time like is my work too public to be mentally happy Mm -hmm. but ultimately i keep arriving at the same um belief in that i i love what i do like i genuinely love work i find so much enjoyment and fulfillment more importantly out of what we do and what we put out into the world so i think it's more a a case of learning to cope with the noise and i don't i just because i'm not doing that right now doesn't mean i normally do it like i've done it for two years Mm -hmm. um and i'm fine like i don't want to take this pocket of a pandemic and be like oh all of a sudden my career is i'm on the wrong career i'm i need to change everything and i can't cope with um the feedback that comes with being in the public eye because normally life looks nothing like what it does right now so i think that's why i'm trying not to extrapolate too much from like six weeks of existing because i did this for 24 months or particularly the last 12 months before things got really really big um and i've i've been mostly fine like zara would say i've had little blips where i haven't been well but we've we've had that for each other like we've both had moments where we've struggled but we were definitely coping perfectly fine before the pandemic Uh, what job would you do outside like you can't do any of the jobs you've previously done you had to start a new leave i like to think i'd be a great cop i don't know if there's any truth to that but in in the times where i've been like is this for me like can i handle like i i said to mish if we stay in this line of work forever any kind of work we ever do will be public and that's kind of a weird thing to put out that nothing you can kind of do nothing you can ever do to earn money can be private in the kind of specific sphere that we found ourselves in. So in the times that I've thought about like other work and then like, I don't think I could fucking do anything else. Like, I don't know (laughs) what in the world I would be good at or what I could possibly do. Like, I just have no idea. It's a nightmare. I I think it would have to be like, I've always wanted to be a psychologist. I was always like toying with that before. And I mean, so ironic because we've just spent all this time talking about (laughs) mental illness. Um, probably psychology. I think I've had, um, my family has a history of mental illness, so I've always had an interest in it. So yeah, I would love to be a psychologist if I wasn't a writer and a podcaster. Yeah. yeah maybe I, I would feel like I would, myself in law is it like all fans? I would give it all fans a crack. Is that the thing that everyone's <laughs> no, only, only, only fans? fans. <laughs> only fans. Only fans. Only fans. Do you know about this, Sarah? Have and about this? Oh yeah, God. you don't have to get naked. And because you don't have because that's like yeah, but you will Zara, make more money. It's encouraged. Right. I you feel will. like it could be a good in between for you if you don't want to go public, but you still need sort of the, some of the public eye. You could create a bit of a community. Zara, but, uh, I, can go into I love it. There you go. But what is the deal? No, that's not what I'm implying. Only fans can do <laughs> anything from. Oh, I mean, TJ, you know more about the Only Fans thing. What is the actual deal? Oh, who's on? Can you Just, search uh, who's on it? Disclaimer: Have never paid for an OnlyFans yeah. <laughs> yeah. subscription. Lies. You got a contract. Too much of a tight ass. <laughs> and just Google, uh, you know, leaked OnlyFans. And no, no, so, what is um, the deal with OnlyFans? Dude, it is fascinating, and, I'm, and I, can't, I, I, I predict in the next two months you'll talk about OnlyFans on your podcast. Uh, oh yeah, uh, no, two like months ahead of Shameless, is, he's covered, he was talking. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, it's it's like normal people <laughs> hated before. Mr. Zeitgeist. Yeah, I know. It is well, the, it's, but, I mean, it's that's the modern day version. That's huge, it's TJ. For yeah, people, I mean, if people want to get shameless before it hits shameless, listen Where's to the Daily Talk Show. Yeah, I know. I could bring it up. No, Go on, TJ. <laughs> I, I watched a, an interesting conversation between Logan Paul of all people and you know mm. a, a couple of other people on his podcast, where they were they were talking about a um, so what was TikTok before TikTok? It was Musically, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. and there was the biggest Musically star, this young girl who has now gone on to OnlyFans, and you know it was surprising to a bunch of people and. You know, very young, and 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 then I was reading a few articles of, of people talking about this is the modern version of um, when people made the decision to start doing porn back in the day, and the mm-hmm. sort of you know the um, the career damaging can't work again is OnlyFans is that new version, and I, I, I've watched a a, a, cu- a couple of guys who I followed. Years ago on Instagram, they just used to do prank channels, and then oh they, my god, they've all gone onto it. I know who you're talking yeah. about. And they've yep. got a, you know, one's got a girlfriend. They're do, he's doing OnlyFans. I mean, if they're being truthful, these people are making so much money, like yeah, fifty grand a month from doing some posts. Are we going to get posting. over? Are we going to get over sort of the taboo nature, and we're all going to just be? Subscriber-based podcasts on OnlyFans, <laughs> yeah. sexy content. Yeah. It's like the the sealed section of the Dolly thing, Mitch. We could do sexy episodes of Shameless <laughs> and, on OnlyFans. And, and then there is like uh, other girls on, you know, big influencers on Instagram that are refusing to collaborate with any girl who has done OnlyFans or has an OnlyFans. Mm. And so oh, it is gosh. this sort of big circle of people going, you know, OnlyFans is tarnishing. OnlyFans is making people. Well, we'll have anyone their, that's making got their an career. OnlyFans on. We're, we're, absolutely. we're an open show. We, we, we don't yeah, discriminate. Such an open show. Yeah, we definitely. absolutely don't discriminate. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see like um, what people like Aaron Carter. We got a message when we were talking about OnlyFans. He he's I think he's got a fiance. He does hardcore gay porn on OnlyFans. That's what really? this person told us. Yeah, and so there's all this stuff we don't you, you don't know unless you subscribe. So oh. the main way I came across it was actually those prank channels that you were just talking about. Mitch and I yeah. um, have watched a few of those videos and stuff, just like dumb stuff on the internet. It's really kind of kills your brain cells, but it's fun to watch. Um, yeah, and I've been really surprised by how many of that that group have gone into porn, literal porn. Yeah. It's yeah, no judgment it if that's for you, it's for you. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, judgment aside, it is the weird step that I don't even know of these people. Technology has created the entrance into porn in a in a seamless mm. way where people, I'm sure, would have, you know, a year ago never thought they'd mm. be doing that. It's the onboarding. It's bit- I, f- I wonder what the onboarding process is to, to get into porn nowadays. It's like it starts with just well, doing sh- some Snapchats and... Surely this has got something to do with like it being direct to consumer and then making a far more money without other people taking a cut, which is a great thing, I think, at yeah. the end of the day. If people are mm-hmm. able to make like genuine good cash from something that they want to, then maybe yeah. it's better that there aren't big companies out there taking the cut, their cut from it. And it's, weren't there a whole bunch of headlines um, last year? I can't remember the name of her, everyone. The um, Mia Khalifa, the number Mia one Khalifa, porn star yeah. in the oh, yeah. world, Revealing that she yeah, and she made like ten thousand dollars for those videos. She earned absolutely nothing for these videos that were streamed millions and millions of times. So you could even say that Tommy, you've brought us a great segment idea. Thank you so much. This is actually good because it's democratic. It's like it's a feminist argument. Women who are doing porn are being paid for it. 
there is another porn star that is the biggest in the world. She did porn for... TJ's uh, loving this now. Oh, you want to know? Like now he's bringing yeah. out all his knowledge. I've also studied like this. All these OnlyFans. Three months, three months, and hasn't done it in three years, but she's still the number one. Doesn't do porn. Has a Just partner. reusing content. Has a partner, wow. but has an OnlyFans and has a private Snap account where she makes something like $300,000 a month. But, I mean, if anything, like... I mean, the the sad bit of that Mia story is that she couldn't make any money and she put herself mm. out there and, you know, mm. but, you know, whatever. I think she says it sort of ruined her for a long time. But it's like yeah. it's a time where they end up reaping the money. Reaping John Ronson, who did so he's been publicly shamed, he, he did the um, Audible original, I think it's called The Butterfly Effect, which is oh, all yeah. on like the porn industry and it covers all that sort of stuff. But it's um, it, it's interesting. It's that interesting. Like I definitely care a lot more now that I've thought about it. Um, from the fact that like women and men who are doing it will at least be making the money, not these huge like mm. porn corporations. It's kind of cool. Necess- but I guess, or like a general look at it, but I guess um, less likely to be taken advantage of because of that like direct to consumer mm. avenue that they've got. So and probably I think less you might be right, of, like, Tommy assault. Jacket. Like, this may be yeah yeah. Porn on my terms. This may I mean, be a shameless segment terms, soon. <laughs> the, the, at least the... There's. On my way. Yeah. 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 That's a good tagline. What, what's everyone watching or mm. listening or consuming? It doesn't... <laughs> it's a weird transition, oh, but... Uh, I need, sorry, I need to. It's quiet. Um, what am I watching listening? I haven't been doing... I'm looking for a television series, so if anyone's got any really good recommendations of something I'm going to get stuck into, please come at me. But I just finished Normal People Like Every Second Person in the World world and loving since is just been deep diving any Sally Rooney interview ever I just think where I overcook anything like if I like something I'll either eat it in excess or listen to it in excess so all I do is just go through iTunes and find interviews with Sally Rooney which I am love um, right your internet cooked a little bit but I heard all of that the um we got use, <laughs> wait, so iTunes you're not using like the Sally Rooney stuff, you, like YouTube would be a good resource. Like, I f- like I've got YouTube on the TV yeah. and I just uh, YouTube people's names. Uh, like, that's sort of how I get into my rabbit holes. Oh, I'm not a watcher. I'm a listener. Okay, like, sure. I'm, a, I'm a doer as I'm listening. So, I just type it into the, the old iTunes account. I appreciate She's too that. busy to watch things. No, I get it. If you have YouTube Premium. You lazy thing, Josh. No, you've got YouTube Premium. <laughs> Uh, where I reckon the future is, it's like you'll just sometimes you'll watch, you'll have it on the TV, and then you'll like go to your car and it will like pass on to your thing. And so, seamless, yeah. yeah, seamless. You have video first and then audio amongst mm. it all. Ooh, but um, groovy, groovy. No, but I think it, no, I think it's a good idea to um, <laughs> with listening, you can actually walk and do things. I've, I've done less than a thousand <laughs> steps a day for the past six weeks. Mish, what are you, what are um, you consuming? Mitch and I have been watching The Last Dance or Last Dance, however you want to oh, pronounce yeah. it, with um, the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix. Loving it. Like, I love sport. So mm-hmm. um, combining, like, the drama and the, I don't know, just, like, looking back, like, there's a bit of nostalgia factor. Obviously, I'm not from the US and I don't really give a crap about basketball, but I think 
there are elements of Michael Jordan's career that are nostalgic for everyone. So um, looking back on that has been really good. Like I'm finding myself every night wanting to watch a new episode of that series. And then I'm also enjoying Terrace House. I kind of had like a hiatus from Terrace House. If you haven't watched that, it's a reality television show on Netflix that has, it's from Japan. So it's got subtitles, English subtitles. I'm watching the Hawaii um, season of that show. And I just love it so much. It's just like the most calming thing to have on the television. It means I have to put my phone down. Otherwise I have no friggin' idea what's going on because I'm not reading the screen. So Mm. Yeah, I've been like training Benji to sit and stay and all those good things while watching Terrace House and Michael Jordan. Yeah. It feels Michael, like that is it. That is awesome. The it, there's a lot of hype. Do, do you think that uh, hype is at the extreme at the moment? Like, say with Tiger King or the all the different yes. things. It's like everything is overhyped. It's like the um, and I get I get um, tricked every time, and I end up like trying to buy into the hype. I tried to watch the one where it's like the people in the boxes, and they they're doing the dates, but they can't oh, yeah. see each oh, other. I did oh, that one. Um, Love is blind. I yeah, so I did one. Love yeah. is blind, and then I did the one where the they go on the island and they can't have sex or kiss or whatever. Handle. Yeah, too hot to handle. Uh, You're so right, yeah. Josh. There's this article that I read recently, and I'm also going to butcher this because I can't remember the title, but it was from a year ago and it was on long reads, but it was basically like, when did we all have to become like pop culture experts? And it's this Mm. idea that we're in like this hype era where (laughs) things have like the fastest high, like the fastest high and a really quick crash. And it's almost like Mm. if you don't watch something or consume Mm. something that's really popular in that week or two that everybody else is, it almost becomes irrelevant. And I find it very interesting for like pieces of content to be like, we all feel so much pressure now to consume something at a certain time when in reality these things are kind of timeless. It's just that mm-hmm. if you want to be part of the conversation, you've got to do it now or forever be out of it. Yeah. I think as well, like people are connecting over pop culture and television and film now more than ever. We don't have sport to do that for us at the moment. So if there's going to be a public conversation, it's going to be about one show in particular yeah. and people get FOMO if they're not watching it. I also think, I don't think it's just praise and I don't think it's just hype. I think things are overhyped and I think they're overcriticized at the moment. I think everyone has too much time to be thinking really intensely about everything. And I think that brings out um, commentary from both sides. So I don't think people are just being too glowing. I think they're also being mm. too hyped about things that they're not loving so it's kind of like mm. both sides of the coin present themselves at the same time yeah but let's be honest when it, when someone comes to you and we've all got a mate who has said have you heard serial the podcast <laughs> it's like mm. come on it's it's fun to have a kim kardashian a, does that a lot them. kim yeah. kardashian does that Ma- every single day i don't know i reckon there's something in that where she knows that it's going to have that effect like i think they get quite in tune is it is it okay to hype something and recommend it before it's even come out and you haven't seen it is that a no-no because i total no because i've I've seen the trailer and it looks epic and its reviews are great and um it is called becoming the king of staten island (laughs) it looks so so good and it's you got can't Pete Davidson until you've watched it. Pete Davidson, yeah. who nah. I want you to watch the trailer and you'll be on my side. Pete Davidson, who's on Saturday Night Live, used to go out with Ariana Grande. Um, he his dad died as a firefighter in September 11, fighting the fires at the Twin Towers. And um, it's about him. It's like a biopic written, kind of biopic. Like it's it plays a, a a guy who lost his dad in the fires, and so it's it looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. Mm. So I, I'm. It comes out on June. I mean, it sounds 12th. interesting. Just watch it. It's funny. We can get behind sad. the hype. 
when we've watched it. Well, uh, TJ, yeah. this is how it's TJ like can get three months ahead of ahead of you. He needs to just be recommending <laughs> shit that's not out yet. It's the only way yeah, to stay yeah. ahead, you know. And you recommend <laughs> enough, something will land. Yeah, it's the Gary V method. You just <laughs> talk <laughs> enough shit, you cut it up into bits, yeah. and then you're like, "Look, I said TikTok yeah, yeah, was going to yeah. be big." <laughs> hey, hey, I put it out there that we get it. We get a tile on Gemma Watts's Instagram. Oh, we got true. it. You know, yeah. asking you shall receive. Oh Girls, uh, can we get a tile on the shameless um, Instagram? <laughs> you do memes? Like a meme? Oh, could we? Yeah. Could you I'm do sure. a meme? We you know what? I, I, yeah, make. I actually, I actually think Sev's got the tile. Yeah. I actually think Mason. Oh. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Confidence. Daddy. There he is. Look at him. That looks like a face yeah. of a tile on the shameless <laughs> Instagram. He's got, he's got the shot for it. Haven't we done enough for you, 90 Sevs? We got you no, a girlfriend. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's I, I so think, true. Yeah, no, I think it's great. That's heaps. Sevs, <laughs> <laughs> any 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 questions? You've been sort of off uh, off screen today, but anything you wanted to bring up? Any admin or? Um, well, I mean, I just think around the whole um, anxiety conversation, like, I mean, I'm just echoing what everyone's mentioned in the comments, but I think it's just being able to have the conversation um, and and normalise and sort of remove the stigma around it is, is mm. one of the best things we can do. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and so back to the tile. Um, <laughs> back to the tile. <laughs> no, 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 that was, that was nice. That's the Instagram tile. Did you even know? I mean, Michelle's on a delay, but you got, you got the Instagram tile. That's what I was talking about. Uh, there you go. Okay. I love it when you have to over justify a joke. Oh, definitely. That's sort of my shtick. That's, that's you know, it's all gear, you know, just gear. Um, just, yeah, double down. Double yeah. Down. Thank you for coming um, on the show. Anything yeah, else? Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. I mean, you're. Um, We're very. I'm so sorry. I mean, Michelle, this, I know why you've got anxiety. It's got something to do with Zara's internet because that would set me off too. It's what the hell? Why would it give everyone else more anxiety than well, me? I'm the one that has to deal to with it. we have to live with it. No, no, no. We're living with it. <laughs> Can I just say, there's nothing more triggering than seeing you off screen while Mish is talking, plugging your computer into power. What do you mean? You didn't have power plugged into the computer <laughs> through the whole thing? I had a wait. I had a hundred percent. I didn't need power. Also, I would like to say now that we're finishing this, yeah. I reckon I've caught fifty percent of anything that's been said this entire <laughs> chat, and I've held my pretty well. <laughs> so I love how you guys think that you've had the issue. But just so you know, <laughs> like amazing, things like the power, honest. the stuff like the power, it is good to have everything plugged in. <laughs> so when you when you go to super low energy on the the laptop, everything starts to shit the bed. So I the Wi Fi, I did it before I hit everything. Did, Josh, I put it. I plugged it in before. I love how you saw that, that too. I, I it can be very subtle because Michelle was being um, talking about herself very lovely. But I, I put it in before it hit twenty percent because I knew you hit, you hit it before. Word. Yeah, you got to do it way before twenty percent. Anyway, All right, like well, it was, it was lovely being here. Yeah, and also Ethernet. Like, can you? How close are you to your router? <laughs> um, oh god! We can, there's a, tech a few lecture. things. There's a no. There's a few. No, it's definitely not a lecture. But I'm just. I'd love to help. There's just a few things. Getting an Ethernet cable, so you're not worrying about like even NBN. I heard on the radio they're doing ads where they're like, "Hey, we're adding forty um, percent more bandwidth for ISPs at no cost and things mm. like that." Um, but they're also saying that hey, it could be your Wi-Fi, and mm -hmm. so. My guess is that your internet might be better than you think, and you could just run a cable. And so if you if you did, want I don't to explore have NBN. That, 
What I if you ADSL? I don't know, and I also can't really hear anything anymore, so I might have yeah, to yeah, call yeah. off. <laughs> She's being polite. She's nodding. Thanks for being here, Zara. Thanks, Michelle. I'm so sorry. sorry. Before we go, I'm going to play <laughs> Thanks, one of guys. the uh, the ten seconds of admin. Oh. And here, here we go. 10 seconds of admin. Take a screen grab right now of you listening to the show. Post it on Instagram as a story and we'll regram it. What a deal. <laughs> we need one of that, Zara. Yeah. One of the best. I know. You can take that. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. You can take it. Yeah. Thank you so much.